Welcome back. This is Sheep Stuff You Should Know. I'm Dr. Rosie Bush here in UC Davis, and I'm joined today with Dan Macon up in Auburn, California. How are you, Dan? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> First Sheep Stuff of 2023, right? Maybe. I recorded with Ryan yesterday, but it wasn't posted, so... <laughs> Second he may have decided not to post it because we had no topic. <laughs> Much like today will be. Much like today. <laughs> so, How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's. I'm definitely feeling the gloom from all of the rain and no sun and being stuck inside. So I'm looking forward to a little bit of change of scenery soon. Yeah, next week. We yeah. all head to Texas, huh? Yes. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just look up and see how many days I've recorded rain since Christmas Day. So keep talking while I look that up. Yeah, yeah. Well, rain. so I get to Texas on Monday and I don't leave till Saturday. <laughs> it's gonna be a long trip. And my kids are so funny. They're like, why? Why do you have to leave? <laughs> it's part of my job. It's okay. We'll talk every day. You'll be totally fine. <laughs> and on the other hand, Sammy's going, now when do you leave? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One less thing to worry about, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. We're actually, so we're driving Sunday, leaving for Las Cruces. Get to Las Cruces on Monday. Wednesday, I drive to El Paso and fly to Fort Worth and then fly back on Thursday and hang out in Las Cruces till Sunday again. Oh, good. It'll be a busy week. Yeah, that's a lot of driving. My Ellie was like, why you should drive. It's better because I think someone made a comment of about flying in the weather and she's like, you should drive. I'm like, first of all, I don't think driving is safer than flying, especially in weather, especially when I'm driving. <laughs> Second of all, it'll just take me that much longer. So it's better to fly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I just counted up. I think in Auburn, we've had two days since Christmas Day where we didn't measure precipitation. Wow. What a change. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We, Ryan and I talked a lot about the rain and all of that. And he was saying where they are. They're getting a couple inches of rain and then, or no, maybe not a couple, <laughs> some rain for a couple hours. And then it, it stops for a few hours. And so their sheep and cows can keep munching and then, um, and then it'll rain again. So it's pretty, as far as like day to day, it's pretty constant, but within a day, there's some good breaks that kind of let the livestock relax and eat and uh, move around a little bit. And is it been similar where you are? Or? Yeah, and I, I was at a cattlemen's board meeting last night, local cattlemen's association, and Jackie Davis, who some people may know, um, kind of a famous Hereford guy, um, told me, this is a good cow guy thing. He said, well, cows aren't coming up to eat the hay as much as they were, and I, I see them out in the pasture with their heads down, so they must be getting something out there. Yeah. The grass must be growing. <laughs> I, I told him I thought that sounded about right and he could he could send a little warmer weather to Auburn. We'd grow some grass too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that's probably a big difference. It's probably a, a lot colder up there. It's been we've had some warmer storms, but thankfully nothing where it like rained for 
48 hours clear over the top of the pass, which is when we tend to get our really bad flooding. Oh, yeah, because the snow melts. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we do have a huge snowpack, it sounds like. Which yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So do you are you guys having any erosion problems or anything like that? Not where we are. Um, you know, there's been there's we haven't had the tree damage that you have had in the valley. Mm-hmm. We've had some trees come down um with with the saturation, but we don't get quite the strong winds that you get there in the yeah. Mountain. Huge trees falling over. Yeah. It's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I've spent Saturday and Sunday, I I spent a couple hours each day cutting smaller trees off of our fence and stuff like that, but nothing major. Yeah. It's actually really remarkable. Joe Fisher, um, if he listens, will will appreciate this. But I posted a picture of a little creek running through our current paddock, little seasonal creek, and Joe remarked how clear the water was. Yeah. Was, you know. Usually you get all kinds of stuff flushing out and yeah. And these rangeland systems, if they've got grass in them, are great filters. You know, they're yeah. really good at filtering sediment and and other things. So yeah, that's it's good cool. to see that. Yeah. Nice to see creeks running, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I have a couple of friends who are posting their pastures and their arenas and they have creeks <laughs> running through those. They probably don't want them there, but <laughs> yeah, creeks in the right place. Yes. Creeks in the creek bed. Right yeah. So it was poor engineering there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's we haven't had the, the road flooding like you've had down there, but but it is kind of an adventure going out after dark if it's raining hard. Oh yeah. Yeah you can't see the lines or anything. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the road flooding, it seems to be like it floods while it's raining. And then when it stops, it clears up really quickly. So the draining, the drainage systems seem to be working pretty well, which is good. There's some years where they don't work because they've been plugged up by whatever's been washed, you know, washing through. So, or the levees haven't been maintained very well. And so it's good. They're they're working well. I think the other thing somebody you know all over social media now you see the drought's over the drought's over yeah. and uh, i think part of what we're seeing the drought was a lot what lasted a long time mm-hmm. we had multi-year moisture deficit in our soils and and everything else and i think the capacity of the soil is such that it's absorbing a lot of the moisture we're getting yeah where if we had been in a in a series of normal years, this much precip would have been a lot more problematic. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, someone was saying that their groundwater is starting to restore and to, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's really taking up a lot of that. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so you're coming to Auburn on Saturday, right? Yeah. This might be, might be past tense by the time this one is broadcast. But. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked about if I had rain gear. So I have to think about how I have warm clothes. And I think the only thing I have that's really waterproof are like my snowboarding pants. Cool. They, <laughs> they look good with sheet manure all over them. Yeah. <laughs> they might be a little too warm. <laughs> Start sweating after flipping one sheet. <laughs> but yeah, so I had to think about where I was going to get that. So I'll borrow some bibs from the hospital here hopefully they won't need them but <laughs> i think be, they have plenty 
it'll be a good it's a small i think i think the rain spooked people so it's a small group this year oh cool but uh it'll be good it'll be good hopefully they're all they all wake up saturday morning and are gung-ho to handle wet sheep and show up otherwise it'll just be you and me (laughs) we did that one year that worked out fine we did we did that's cool Yeah. yeah I like that workshop. That's where we get to do all the stuff to prepare them for lambing and yep. <clears throat> look at all their condition over the winter. And Yep. It's a good, one of those points of the year where you can kind of take stock of how everything's going and mm-hmm. make adjustments if you have to. And yeah, it's a good, it's a good. What do good. you think? Are they going to be condition wise? Do you think they'll be in better condition this year than last year? Or? Mm-hmm. I, you know, just and last year was a rough year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, last, last leading up to this time of year, last year was pretty good because yes. we had early germination and, um, but I, I think they will be similar. Okay. You know, yeah. looking at them, I think they're starting to see, um, use that are looking like they're definitely in their last trimester, you know, they're getting low and wide and you know, yeah. starting to develop a little bit of a bag and, yeah. So it'll be good to kind of check that out too and, and see how that looks. Right. Yeah. It'll be good. It'll be good. They'll be wet. Yes. <laughs> Soggy yeah. sheep. Yep. yep. <laughs> Somebody asked me who was not familiar with sheep, asked me the other day. So how do your how do your sheep chores change when the weather's like this? <laughs> I thought a minute and I thought mostly my chores change because I have to change clothes after my chores. Yeah. <laughs> sheep don't care, but I get wet. Yes. Yeah. Sheep are all, all pretty well equipped to deal with it. Are you moving pasture maybe a little bit less frequently or because they're not eating as much or is it pretty much the same? You know, it's pretty much the same. And I, I think for our sheep, just because of the way we manage them, they pretty much are, are eaten regardless of the conditions. I mean, I, I went out, Monday morning and it was raining pretty good and opened um I had opened into a new paddock Sunday I guess and I got there Monday morning and they were all spread out on the hillside with their heads down looking at me like well what are you doing here we're fine yeah um their consumption is starting to go up because they're they're coming into their last trimester that makes sense (laughs) takes a little more feed to to keep them satisfied yeah four weeks ago yeah that makes sense we uh we're going into some paddocks that are are fairly sparse there there's a lot of tree cover so not a lot of vegetation underneath Mm -hmm. i expect they'll go through that pretty quick yeah It'll be good. It'll be good to, oh, you know, when you see them every day, you don't notice changes. And you and Roger will both see some differences that I don't notice just because I see them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I I mentioned that to when I used to see clients, (laughs) I used to mention that to them a lot because it's, it's hard. You see, you know, whether they're older animals or whatnot, you just, you see them every day. So they don't look like they've changed very much, but when you have someone who sees them, maybe, four times a year it, yep. they're able to pick up on those things for better or worse you know but it can help i think it i think it's all for better i think it's good i think that's one reason now that we're talking about it to have even if you don't use a vet 
for routine things to have your vet come out at least once a year and see see your animals just because they're going to see things that you don't yeah if they're familiar with your flock and with your management yeah and they'll probably even praise the things that you've done well too <laughs> maybe yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see we'll, we'll report back after yeah that. <laughs> see how i'd be pressed next time we record <laughs> no <laughs> that's Good. cool i'll be interested to see their feet because we've been talking a lot about foot rot issues with the rain and everything. So I'll be definitely looking for that. So, I will be really interested too. We have not had anything limping. That's awesome. Um, which in this weather is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, even even the rams. I've got rams in a little less than desirable spot just because that's every place is muddy right now. It's the mm -hmm. least muddy of our mud. Yeah. And um, they're holding up really, really well. So we'll... We'll hope that continues. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had someone ask what they can do to try to keep things clean. They had dairy animals and yeah. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think this is just where we're at right now. There's some things, you know, I think their problem was that they, their animals aren't leaving the barn. So the barn has got higher capacity than normal. And so it's yeah. getting dirty really fast. Yeah. And so they're asking how to keep things drier and cleaner. And I was like, I think you just have to clean more often is probably the most obvious answer, but not easy. But yeah. 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 I was telling somebody yesterday, the first year that we had sheep, it was a, a January, much like this, just rain almost nonstop and we had sheep and guard dogs on a pasture in the in grass valley right on one of the main public roads I and mean, there were i don't know how many hundreds of cars a day went by there and uh about a week into this weather we started getting calls from animal control saying we're getting complaints about your dog not having a dog house out there <laughs> okay so we put a i bought one of those igloo dog houses uh -huh. You know, the next morning I went out and it was just, you could hardly see it was raining so hard. <laughs> and the dog's up on top of the hill looking around, having a great time in the rain. And all of the feeder lambs are crowded, trying to crowd into the igloo. <laughs> and it flipped it over. Oh, my God. So then we made a little structure out of tarps and pallets and all that stuff. And the dog, like, what is this? And by that time, the sheep were tired of it too. Nothing yeah. ever, but by golly, people were happier when they drove by and saw that there was shelter. Out oh there. my gosh, that's so! I thought you were going to say the dog was sitting on the doghouse like Snoopy. <laughs> like Snoopy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so that that begs a question. Unless, unless you have, do you have a topic? Because I have a topic. No. Walking around. <laughs> So we've had an issue here in Placer County um, with some cattle uh, without going into a lot of details, um, probably too many cattle on too small a spot, um, some management issues, um, you know, yearling bull calves that haven't been castrated out with the herd and mm -hmm. body conditions that are looking a little rough, even though this time of year, you know, it could be a little rough. But I guess as a producer, how I respond to those things is challenging. If you know, if they're if it's a critique of my management, 
there's an awful lot of ego tied up in my management. And so mm -hmm. how, do, how do I respond constructively? But then as a producer, how do I respond when somebody has a question about somebody else's animals too? And, and at what point do you support the industry versus really looking at a specific situation and saying, maybe there's some things that could be done differently. How do you navigate that as a veterinarian? Well, so for me, when people come in to see me and I, and I say this because I was training students, so I want to put them in the right frame of mind as well, yeah. is that when animals come on into us, they've done that, right? Like they're now here seeking care from a veterinarian. So like give them a whole lot of credit for that because that step is really hard to take. Yeah. So just putting them in that mindset, like, yes, there are things that definitely they could have done differently in this scenario and we can educate them on that, but also what can we learn from this to prevent it from happening again? Yeah. Right. Like you don't want to condemn people the moment you talk to them. Yeah. Um, there, yeah. a lot of it is just them not knowing certain situations are actually emergencies. Um, I'll never forget a case that, you know, I was a resident, so I was younger and I wasn't the one in charge and I was taking the call and someone said, Oh, I have a blocked, I think it was a sheep, but um, and they were, they were driving hours away to get to us. And I expected them based on how much time it should have taken us to get there around eight o'clock at night. So I waited around in the barn to prepare things for them. Well, they didn't end up getting there till about two in the morning. And oh, wow. I stayed, wow. I mean, because it was an elderly person who was driving the animal in he had to stop on the side of the road to take a nap. Like, I mean, you know, the, this person was really trying to do the right thing. And then the animal's bladder had ruptured or the urethra had ruptured by the time it got down, oh, wow. which was really disappointing for the student. And honestly, I was pretty disappointed because, I mean, who knows if four hours would have made a difference. Right. Maybe it would have. But the reality was that's what they could do. And they really tried very hard to get the animal there. And they did everything that they could. And so it's really hard to balance those emotions. But I think just having that frame of mind, especially if it's someone who's willing, you know, like the scenario that you're talking about, if it's someone who's willing to have that conversation, have the conversation, like don't be accusatory or, you know, there's, they, they have reasons for what, you know, for the situation that they're in. Does that mean that they can't change? No. Right. And maybe they just don't know what they can do to feasibly make that change. And that's where having those conversations about, you know, ways to work within their system or ways to, um, you know, try to use other resources to get things done. Um, mm -hmm. If they're open to that conversation, that's a big deal. Um, but that's hard. It's hard when you can't get a hold of owners to even have those conversations. That's where it's challenging. Cause I agree. There's a lot of ego and this is the way we've always done it. And there's nothing wrong here. And, and there's, there's, I think a challenge in, in helping the public understand what's typical and what's not yes. and what's acceptable and what's not. And I think, part of um in particular with rangeland livestock where um we're so dependent on the seasons and mm -hmm. on kind of what 
what mother nature gives us in any particular year that we're all very independent because of that i i think i think to some degree our independence particularly in rangeland sheep and and cattle is the fact that my ranch is different than then Ryan's ranch is different than Joe's ranch. No one can tell you how to do what you're doing because they're not in your system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's hard to explain internally within to ourselves, but it's really hard to explain that to the public sometimes. Yeah. Because um, they, it, it's, I've worked with them and I know you have too, but there are people who literally think it's a recipe. Right. You right. provide X, Y, and Z, and you have healthy livestock. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I talked to someone the other day about that, and they they were saying kind of what you were saying about how they were really happy about these sheep being in their neighborhood. They had done a great job, but they seem skinny, and we need to provide recommendations for vet care. Well, I knew I know the managers of that operation, and I know they provide really good vet care. And if they had skinny sheep, it's probably be because of the feed conditions we've had yeah. the last couple of years. It's probably because they were about to wean lambs, but it's kind of what we talk about. One snapshot, it's really hard to make recommendations of having a relationship with people. Like if I can say, I know their management, I know that they provide nutrition supplementation. So I feel more confident saying, yeah. Yeah. You know, they're they're doing a good job. Their sheep that were skinny will rebound as soon as right. their lambs get weaned. And, you know, like I can feel. But if I only see that operation once out of a blue and I don't know anything about their management, then you might have a lot of those same questions. Well, I wonder what they're doing or where, you know, why are their animals in the condition that they are? Well, I think that's that's a distinction. The questions that you're asking are the questions that you would ask to try to gain understanding mm -hmm. as opposed to those animals are obviously being abused or mis or not cared for appropriately or mm -hmm. you know, jumping to that conclusion. And I think that's, that's a difficult thing to navigate in talking with the public that, you know, you may have seen them once. Let's look at the bigger picture here. Let's think about the, the context that we're in, the weather, mm -hmm. the, forage conditions, um, where they are in their production cycle, all those things. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to have that contextual conversation with somebody who drove by and saw a skinny sheep. Yep. What they thought was a skinny sheep. Yeah. Yeah. You know. What is there a line there at some point where, where we have an obligation as a, a community of ranchers or livestock people to say something to a, a neighbor. Hmm. I, that's a tough one for me. Yeah. And I think, cause I think you guys mentioned it in those code of conduct, that episode that you said that if there are recurring problems, if they don't own the property, they're probably not going to be there for long. Right. sort of a thing right. like especially right. if there's public eyes involved right. the property owner if they're at all present that's probably part of the issue is that yep. the property owners may not be aware of any problems yep. but i imagine people that are misman are truly mismanaging situations or livestock are probably not going to be there long term so yeah. 
I, I bet big issues will sort themselves out. But that said, there are definitely channels for, you know, because I, I could see how there are challenges with neighbors and not wanting to stir up social problems and things like that. But there are channels where you can start kind of reporting concerns that can right. go through proper investigations that aren't necessarily accusatory, but can help figure out what needs to happen next. Um, so, and I, the first thing I can think of is animal control. Cause they, if you have some counties have really good relationships with their animal control and they can take a really, you know, kind of a good eye they've seen really bad situations and so you know they they'll know the difference between something that maybe they you know had something else happen that made them not look as closely at their livestock at this time that said they you know things still need to be taken care of so they can help get the ball rolling on those things and even just having animal control come by can kind of initiate some activity that may not have happened otherwise and some self-reflection yeah yeah i i think part of the the challenge in a community like this too is for other producers to remain objective about things there mm -hmm. i think speaking for myself there is a tendency to say if you're telling that person what they're doing wrong What's to stop you from coming to me next and saying what I'm doing is wrong? Or an attack on any of us is an attack on all of us. But at the same point, when something looks bad to the public, it looks bad for all of us, you know? So, and I've heard that from a number of folks where we want to bring each other, you know, help each other out and help each other do well because if, that looks bad or if it doesn't go well, especially in a lot of these newer projects where we're contract grazing and things where there is a lot more communication with different agencies. And a lot of this is new and yeah. we all want it to go well so we can continue these relationships. And so, you know, that, yeah. that reputation is built um, and it depends on all of us doing a good job. Um, so I think there's, you know, I, I think that's part of it. I think that's part of why producers see that kind of thing. And it, you know, like they get disappointed because they know that it can be better yeah. because it not, it reflects on us as an industry or as a group, a collective of people who yeah. are, have the same interest in raising animals. Um, yeah, very much so. Yeah. But I could see that if, you know, that kind of. Well, if they're going to report them, what's to stop them from reporting me? But... Yeah. 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 And I, yeah. <laughs> I think the other element that gets complicated in, in working with the public on these types of things, I've had, I think we've said this before, um, Liz Hubbard, who's a, a sheep and cattle producer in Southeastern Oregon, I, I posted something during lambing about a lamb dying and being really bummed out about it. And, and she responded with something that I still tell myself, the moment that that doesn't bother you is the moment you should stop being a shepherd. Yep. 
And it's hard to explain to the public who sees us raising a product that has to be harvested through the death of the animal, mm -hmm. right? That it's more than just an economic loss when an animal dies. I think that's, that's in a very simplistic view, that's all that people see, that I'm disappointed when that lamb dies because that's $150 I'm not getting in July. Mm -hmm. And it, it is so much deeper than that for those of us who are raising animals. Um, and yet it's really hard to articulate, I think, what that connection is. It's it's interesting too, because I think part of it is when we talk about losses, like acceptable losses. Right. And, you know, like right. we talk about things about how, oh, well, you know, less than two percent, five percent abortion rate, that's normal. Yeah. But, it doesn't mean we feel good about it. Right. <laughs> and when you have right. one abortion, your brain is stirring and you wonder what's going on. Right. How many more is this going to affect? Those numbers help us know kind of when they're thresholds, right? Like we right. get to a certain point. Okay. This is when we really need to call to action. We need to do some really big management shifts here to make sure that this doesn't go any further. Right. And because, and it's not because those few losses are okay. It's because there are things that are sporadic, random. There are reasons animals die that aren't these huge contagious, um, right. you know, right. diseases that we need to focus on controlling. Or that aren't a result of, of a management decision. Right. Made. Yeah. 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 But it's, I do think that's part of it too, how we talk about those things. It, it makes us seem a little bit disconnected. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I think the, the flip side of that coin is trying to articulate how you can love your animals, knowing that their endpoint is in a, a crowd back package at mm -hmm. some point, you know, mm -hmm. how, how, how does that fit? And I think this is going to sound potentially conceded, but I think part of it is being so close to a piece of land and a group of animals day in and day out kind of builds that appreciation for the animals. Yeah. And that understanding, Al, Al Medvitz says, um, we mistake, we have mistakenly concluded that death is the absence of health. Mm -hmm. And it's not. Death, death is is a part of life, right? And I yeah. think, I think that's we take that for granted when we're so close to it that mm -hmm. that very few people anymore have that direct connection to either end of this of of that lifespan. They don't experience the joy of a lamb entering the world, nor do they experience what happens when you get paid for that lamb. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is, I mean, I talk about how people are drawn that for me, I think that was a lot of it. Like what, what made me want to get out of the city, what made me want to work with animals and mm -hmm. especially livestock and is being a part of that is such a big deal. It is. Yeah. And, and understanding it and yeah, just that whole experience is really important. And it's now with kids of my own, it's, it's, I want them to have that experience. And it's interesting for just because of where I work and what I do, it is hard for them 
I, I you know, it's, it's not like I can just take them out to my animal or our animals right. and, right. you know, show, give them that experience. So it's, it's more through the photos I can show them and the stories that I can tell them, but I'm not allowed to bring them into the barn. And <laughs> so it's, I think they better come at lambing time this year. Yes. Separate from our lambing school. It'd be really fun if you guys could come out at lambing and we could have them help mark lambs and yeah, that would be so cool. They would love that. If, they, if they'd be up for it, I'd love to have them. Yeah. And, uh, that'd be fun. Yeah, I know. That'd be fun. <laughs> one of my, on somewhere on my, one of my computers, I have a picture. The year I worked at Lambing at McCormick's, Emma came and stayed with me for like a 36 hour span or something. And I've got pictures of her marking lambs. I think she was maybe, she was like 10. That's awesome. She still talks and thinks about that. So it's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. This year I'm, we, Davis has been talking with um, the sheep station in Idaho and they've been needing, they've been using um, like locum vets. They have a regular vet um, and, but they've been bringing vets in for their lambing season to help teach the students that go on rotation there. And so we've been talking to them about providing that service this year. And so I should be going in March for two weeks. To awesome. <laughs> well, that's exciting. I'm so excited. It, when they mentioned it, I was like, huh, I've kind of been dreaming about being fully immersed <laughs> in that. And, you know, I think it'll be really inspiring. It'll be fun to work with students and it'll be really cold, but <laughs> that'll be, a, that'll be great. And that, so Laura worked one lambing there, and then oh, I'm cool. collaborating with Haley, Dr. Haley Wilmer, who's the range researcher there, on uh, a symposium on sheep, rangeland sheep. Yeah. Next month. Okay, so she's located there in Dubai. She's there, yeah. Okay, cool. And one of the cool things about the sheep station is that, as Haley, Haley explained this last week, and I hadn't thought about it, it's basically a sheep operation that does research because there's sheep there. It's not, the sheep aren't there for research. The research is there because of the sheep. Yeah. So at lambing time, it's kind of all hands on deck. Everybody's helping out. And it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous. People have to record while you're there. Yeah, that'll be cool. It'll, it'll be interesting because we're doing two week rotations and I think they're used to having just a vet stay the whole time. So oh, wow, we'll yeah. be, we'll be kind of trying to, train each other as we trade off and but i mean it it'll be cool we we have some very capable folks that are going up there but yeah it'll be fun to work with students again and i'm excited (laughs) yeah that's a it's an interesting spot it's a really interesting spot yeah cool yeah what what um forgot what I was going to ask you. Another question occurred to me about all of that. Yeah, it'll be two weeks away from the family will be challenging, but yeah. I'm hoping yeah. that I can send them some videos and stuff like that. It'll be cool. But that was one of the things my friend was saying that I ought to do is get my kids out to work with me more. But because I'm more of a service, it's hard to, you know, be able to do that. So I'm trying to figure out how to include them in these things without... Yeah. <laughs> bring, bring them to workshops. Bring them, bring them to 
Well, they came and helped at sharing time, right? Yes. Yeah, that was cool. (laughs) We did have a couple of people request that we do workshops at every kind of major point in our sheep year. Oh, yeah. So I think we'll try to get people out for sharing. Cool. And then we should probably do it at waning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that'll be a good one. It should be a good one. And then maybe at, at um, the onset of flushing next summer when we go through and body condition score. And yeah, that's good. About that. Yeah, pre-breeding your vaccines if you're doing any. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. What, um, along those lines, I guess, how as a producer can you go to somebody that you don't know and offer offer help? Is there or I don't I'm not very good at doing that. I'm good at driving by and saying, huh. I wonder if they need help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And I think that's where it is good to know you're like be a part of the community you're in. Yeah. And and yeah. I that's probably harder when you know for herds that are moving around a little bit but I imagine as they develop their kind of relationships with the communities that they're serving they will get a lot more familiar with the neighbors and things like that that they're in those communities but I think just like you said offering help is that's how it should be approached like oh hey I noticed you know, maybe if there's anything I can do to help with, you know, get you onto how you build your fences or whatever it is that needs, you know, a little bit of thing. I think offering that help or, you know, helping them know what resources to go to. um, I I don't know that everyone's open to receiving that, (laughs) um, but I mean, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> well, I think that's the flip side. And and part of that's just our nature, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, even asking for help is hard a lot yeah. of times. You know, you yeah. might feel overwhelmed, but but for me at least, oh gosh, I I'm admitting I don't know something if I go ask somebody for help. Yeah. Or I'm admitting I'm overwhelmed if I go ask somebody for help. And that's that's part of the value of being in a community too. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes if you've got some close friends that see that you're struggling or see something you could do different, you've got a good enough relationship that they can say, Hey, maybe try this. Or yeah. how about if I just come help you for the day? Yeah. Yep. Or hey, I got this shoot a while ago. I think this might help make yeah, things right. go a little smoother. Right. <laughs> oh, you exactly. should try it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's really interesting because I see that even in my, in the vet profession where, you know, it's literally my job to be here, be available for people who have questions, Um, you know, because a lot more people are seeing small ruminants. And it's really interesting that at least when I started, the only people I would get calls from were pretty well-established veterinarians that probably been in their career for 30 years. Yeah, I never yeah. had young people calling me and probably part of it was they just didn't know I was, right. existed. Right, right, <laughs> but right. I think too, it's that fear of not, you know, being judged for not knowing something. And especially right. when you graduate school, you you there's this perception that you should know everything because you just finished school. But... Yeah, okay. <laughs> 
Yeah, but learning that there's no way you can learn everything in school. It it teaches you how to go about thing, you know, how to diagnose a problem, how to understand, how to find out the answer, where to where your resources are. And I am one of those resources and I've had maybe two or three younger vets call me and it's so exciting. It's very cool. And so yeah. I'm happy that that is building. But yeah, it's really interesting that there's, I don't even think it's an ego thing. I think it is just a fear of yeah. not knowing the answer, being perceived as not knowing anything. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I suspect with every every activity, there is an element early on in that activity where you don't want to admit there may be something you don't know. Um and then you get a lot of gray hair or no hair like me and you realize that <laughs> you don't know. And, um, but I, I think all of us kind of go through that, through that phase to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, being here since I've been at the university, it's so humbling because you get asked so many good questions where you're like, oh my <laughs> even when you're doing something that you have done so many times, someone will ask a certain question. You're like, well, gee, I never really thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just works. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I think that's where that whole, I don't know who told me this, but sometime early in my vet school career, someone said, see one, do one, teach one. And so that's kind of how our curriculum was designed way back when, where you had a lot of lectures and then you had your labs and then you get in the clinic. And if you can help your fellow classmates out, then that's part of that teaching process. But really like C1 is, you know, I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day. That was shearing school for me to a T. Like they gave us this handbook and I was reading it the night before. We had to watch all these videos before we even got to hold a sheep. So like weeks before shearing school, they sent us these links to videos of people shearing. Yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. I'm going to get to do that. But I didn't even know what I should have been looking for. Right. So I'm seeing it and I'm excited about it. I'm reading through this handbook and there's arrows on there that I have no idea what they're <laughs> saying. Like, okay, this What's must mean something. Worse? Yeah. And then literally the after the first day, it all clicks because you have to do it. You have to put it into motion. And obviously the teachers are there to make sure nothing bad happens, but you have to do it for anything to actually make sense. And it kind of, I think it makes like with sheep husbandry, you can read about it all you want. But until you're in those scenarios, it's good to be prepared and, to, you know, so that when things do come up, you're like, oh, that's what this is talking right. about. Right. So it right. is good to do that prep work, the C one, but it really doesn't hit home until you get to that doing part. And I think, yeah, then we get gray and that's where the teach one comes <laughs> in and you keep learning because... <laughs> <laughs> you know, working dogs is that has an element of that. Oh yeah. I read a couple of great books early on when I started working dogs. And boy, I was gonna go out and we were gonna move sheep. And then I realized how complicated it is and uh -huh. how subtle things are that you need to watch and and how much timing has to do with success or failure. And I went back and reread the books and and realized. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
this was a really important point that I had no idea was even. Yeah, that you just kind of gloss. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, I think the other element with that, similar to, to what you described with sharing for me, is that um, you learn so much more when there's stuff going on. Yeah. Than when you try to to stop everything. And I think that's a tendency with dogs or or when you get in a bind shearing a sheep or or whatever. As a beginner, you want everything to slow down and stop so you can control every little every little motion. And nobody's learning anything when you when you stop. Yep. Learning only happens when you're moving. Yeah. But it is, I I do think that is why that prep work is a key yep. part of it because yep. if you were just trudging through it and didn't even know what right. you know because like with the dog you and you're like oh that's what they were talking about <laughs> <laughs> it's if you hadn't read anything you'd just be frustrated like this right. isn't working I don't even know right. why I don't even know yeah. where yeah yeah and so it is good to have those resources and kind of know maybe what you should expect but don't expect that your first right time through, right? right? right. Like, yeah. And having a community of folks, whether it's virtual or actual, that you can share those questions and experiences and failures with is so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. So valuable. Yeah. One of these books, um, it's by a guy, uh, I think he's in England, a shepherd by the name of Derek Scrimger. Trained some really fine dogs. And there's an old photo in this book of um kind of was like that that rock um sheep wash pen that um oh, Dr. Yeah. was supposed to the picture of. Uh-huh. They're all sitting around on this stone ring. There's probably uh, a dozen shepherds at tea time. They're all drinking tea out of fine china. Oh my goodness. Sitting around this sheep pen. <laughs> and that's that's the you can, you can imagine the kinds of conversations that would happen in a place like that. Yeah. It was about trimming feet or shearing sheep or working a dog or, you know, just that kind of community conversation is so hugely important in our industry, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm kind of looking forward to that at ASI to see, yeah, you know, I don't, I have a couple of meetings. It's not going to be too crazy busy for me. So it'll be really cool to see, just connect with people and yep. yeah. Who, who who are you really looking forward to seeing at ASI? Oh gosh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot. I know there's, I mean, all our friends from, so like Scott Bowdridge, I think will be there. Wit will be, the, I don't know if what will be there. I assume. But, assume will be there. Yeah. And then read and. Yeah, uh, Jake and all them. Those are all the the buddies that I know from the past few years. So I'm looking forward to meeting some new people. And but yep, me too. Yeah, yeah. I always have fun talking to Dan Person from Sherwell. Who, oh yeah, uh, I think I've only met him online. <laughs> so. He always gives me a hard time about green grass in wintertime, and I give him a hard time about green grass in the summertime. So <laughs> it's fun to catch up. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it'll be good. It's always good to see people, you know, out of their normal thing. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, when are you when are you going to Fort Worth on Wednesday? 
No, I go on Monday. I was going to oh, wow. yeah, be in person for the GOAT meeting on Tuesday. Oh, cool. Yeah, cool. that's a full meeting, full day of meeting. So, cool. But there's some good, there's some presentations about the vaccines uh, development at Iowa. So Dr. Plummer will be presenting. I don't think he'll be there, but I think he'll be online. And so there, there'll be some good topics that I always get inspired by those, which yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be good. Oh, it'll be good. Yeah. It'll be very cool. Yeah. And then I hopefully will finish my AWA <laughs> evaluator training on Wednesday. <laughs> I know. I'm so bad. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, and then when we're back, there's a, a UC Davis goat day, right? On yes. On Yes. I'm really looking forward to that. We've changed the um, kind of how we do it. So every year we always do like a morning of lectures and updates and research updates, just so people know it's, it's really a good way to connect goat producers to different researchers at the university to each other. Um, so it's really, it's always been a really big, a good in-person meeting with like four to 500 goat producers. Um, and so in the afternoons we had rotating talks where a speaker would present the same thing three times, but then we real it's really hard on speakers. You have fewer speakers and then, um, often like group like family groups would come mm -hmm. so they can divide and conquer a little bit more and so we ended up doing tracks in the afternoon so there's a um well i'm in charge of the parasite track so we will be hopefully getting people famacha certified so they can purchase famacha cards if they want by the end um, get them looking into microscopes and counting doing learning how to do a fecal account um learning how to do FAMACHA, parasite control and body condition score goats. And so that'll be cool. You're, you're in the business mm -hmm. track. Mm -hmm. so that'll be neat. And yeah. then, yeah, there's a couple other tracks. Oh, there's a youth track. We added that last oh, yeah. year, yeah. but then we were still virtual. So it was hard. So there's so many youth that come. And so we wanted something that was kind of more specifically geared to them. I think they would yeah. benefit from all of the talks, but kind of neat to have one that's really hands-on goat, you know, physical exam for a goat, ultrasound yeah. goats, things like that. They're going to look at rumen juice. And so, cool. yeah, awesome. it'll be fun. Cool. But yeah. Lots happens in January because <laughs> then there's lambing school the weekend after that. <laughs> yeah. And then I go to Boise the weekend I come back from Boise, we start lambing. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably try to sleep sometime in April. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been running on six hours. About it I, do. <laughs> I don't know why it just happened. <laughs> but yeah. 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 All this anticipation. Exciting. Well, cool. I will see you in Texas. Yeah. And actually, I'll see you this Saturday. Yes. Yeah. Saturday. Cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, this has been Sheep Stuff You Should Know, Dan Macon's first in 2023. Dr. Bush is a, is a pro now because <laughs> number two for her. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll, we'll uh, see you soon. Thanks, Rosie. Yeah, thanks. Bye.